This afternoon, I was I had some time in my car, made a trip back to Columbus and then back to Zanesville. And on my trip back to Zanesville, I was just spending some time with the Lord, praying in the car, and the Spirit of the Lord just moved into that vehicle today. I began to weep over tonight's service as the Lord began to speak to me a word that I've come to deliver to you tonight. I felt a prophetic anointing come on me this afternoon in that car. And I believe the Lord has a word for you tonight. I believe the Lord has a word for you tonight. If you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ezra, chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 5. We'll also read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Give honor to all of you for being in the house of the Lord on a Monday night. And also let the golden and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple which is at Jerusalem and brought unto Babylon, be restored and brought again unto the temple which is at Jerusalem. Everyone to his place and place them in the house of God. I wasn't intending to preach from this text tonight. I had something else planned but it just feels like a continuation of the word that God spoke to us last night out of the book of Ezra it's the end of the story if you will 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful to be gathered together in your presence again here tonight. God, I'm asking you that you would release the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in this room to operate freely. Lord, I pray that you would put a fresh anointing on me right now to preach your word to your people. Help me to preach with clarity, with anointing, with power, with precision. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost destroy every yoke of bondage in this room. Let there be a restoration of hope for the future. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Also, want to give honor to my wife. She's not here tonight, but she's worthy of honor. The only reason I'm here is because of everything that she does. So. Give her honor tonight. She'll be here tomorrow, though. Hallelujah. I better remember to do that again tomorrow. Praise God. I want to summarize for you the scriptures leading up to this verse here in Ezra chapter 6, what has transpired in Ezra chapters 1 through 6. In the first year of Cyrus the king, King Cyrus commanded the temple to be built in Jerusalem. 
He commanded that everyone give to the cause of building the temple with gold and silver and labor. Come on, can I get a witness? How many of you have ever been a part of a building program? They were in a building program. They were giving of their resources. How many of you have ever given of your resources, given of your labor? I want you to think back to that time and just recall what that was like, those sacrificial offerings, those pledges, those days that you came and worked in the church. That's what they were going through in Ezra. After the foundation was laid, the adversaries of Jerusalem and Judah began to try to frustrate the purpose of the Lord by disrupting construction. Sounds like a building program. Hiring magistrates and judges and making false accusations. Sounds like building inspectors, right? And when a new king came into power, those same adversaries wrote to the new king a letter falsely accusing the Jews that if this building were to continue and not be stopped, they would erect such a great city that tolls, taxes, and tributes would not be paid to the king and there would be rebellion in Jerusalem. And the devil's just up to his same old tricks. He's trying to stop the church. He's been trying to do it for thousands of years. I can't tell you how many church building program stories I've heard where neighbors, communities, uh, people in the local government have tried to stop the building of a church saying, hey, it's going to take tax money. It's going to take revenue. This isn't anything new. It's been going on for thousands of years. But how many of you already know uh, that the devil can't stop the church? After reading this letter, Artaxerxes made a decree that all building was to stop, and so it did. Again, familiar. But some old prophets came by and told the Hebrews to keep building. Hmm, And when they did, their adversaries challenged them again. But this time the elders wrote a response to King Darius asking him to search his records and he would find an old decree by the king commanding them to build the temple. And when he found this decree, he commanded the building of the temple to continue. This is everything that has transpired heretofore from the text that we read. I believe that this is where the church is now. We are nearing the end of construction. We're still building, but we're coming to the end of the construction phase. The foundations have been laid. The walls have gone up. But during the construction process... The Nebuchadnezzars of this world have stolen earthen vessels from the house of God. I want to talk to you about what the Nebuchadnezzars of this world can look like. Some of the characteristics of a Nebuchadnezzar influence. See, if it changes your speech, it's a Nebuchadnezzar influence. Nebuchadnezzar took the youth 
into his kingdom and taught them the language and the ways of the Chaldeans. If all of a sudden you find an influence in your life that has caused you to change the way you talk, you better take notice it's a Nebuchadnezzar influence trying to plant itself in your heart. If it makes you feel bound. See, Nebuchadnezzar was a conqueror. He took what he wanted. He overcame those that opposed him and made them feel in captivity. Remember, we talked about yesterday the children of Israel being in 70 years of Babylonian captivity. That was Nebuchadnezzar. If it makes you feel small through intimidation and fear, it's a Nebuchadnezzar influence. He would always intimidate through fear. You remember the fiery furnace was the punishment for anybody who wouldn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. See, parents have lost their kids to this Nebuchadnezzar influence. Friends have lost loved ones to the Nebuchadnezzar influence. Fathers in the gospel have lost sons through the intimidation and influence of that Nebuchadnezzar spirit. If it's costing you time that you don't have, Nebuchadnezzar is involved. See, he was a devourer of time. He stole 70 years from the children of Israel. For years, Nebuchadnezzars of this world have seduced children of God, taken them and hid them in secret places across the land. This has caused them to lay dormant and ineffective for years, trapped in prisons of resentment and bitterness. The adversary has manipulated them for his purposes. Over the years, the enemy has sent sheep in wolves' clothing into our camp to act like they were there to help lay the foundation, uh, but in reality, they were there to pillage uh, and to steal. Remember the warning in John 10 and 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. You better pay attention to how influences come into your life. If they're not coming through the shepherd's gate, they might just be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Young people, you need to hear me. If mom and dad, if youth pastor and pastor hasn't put their stamp of approval on it, it didn't come through the gate. It came over the wall. Fathers, you need to hear me right now. There's an attack upon the home, and the adversary is trying to send some over the wall. You better be a watcher of the door and make sure there's nothing in your house that you didn't let come through that door. If it came over the wall, if it snuck in the back door, it's got a Nebuchadnezzar spirit attached to it. The devourer has laid traps and successfully plucked some of our most precious vessels from us. And to this day, we have not been able to rescue 
all of them. The church has lost pots scattered throughout our cities. Some are hidden in broken homes. You'll find them in broken marriages and situations paying the price for sin that they never thought they'd have to pay. You'll find them in painful relationships dealing with the consequences of decisions uh, that they thought that they could turn around so easily when they heeded the call of Nebuchadnezzar. You'll find them locked up in addictions that they just started to play with years ago and they just thought it was a little bit of fun, but now they can't find their way out. You'll find them bound in identity confusion as they forgot that they were once a child of the king. You'll find them helpless in hospitals, overcome by infirmities, forgetting that they have power to invoke the name of Jesus over sickness. Find them hidden in depression, not able to see hope in their future, sitting in darkness in pig pens in the filth of this world, waiting for the day that they will come to themselves. But there will come a day when God says, enough is enough. It's time to bring my vessels home. See, across this world, there are earthen vessels with godly treasures stored inside of them just waiting to be rescued. They've been put in places that are foreign to them. And don't know how to get back home. Every now and then we've been able to recover a few of these vessels. Here and there the light in us has taken us to their location to save them before their destruction. But many have been gone for a long time. We have even come to believe that they are gone forever. But I've come to tell you tonight that it is not so. They are not gone forever. All the while that they have been gone, God has been preparing a place for them to return. He has been rebuilding the foundations and walls of his church, creating a safe place for them to dwell. And there is coming a day very soon when a decree from the Most High King will sound and say, Come home, broken vessels, all ye vessels that belong to me. Come out from the darkness. Come home. Come out from your hiding place and come to my temple that I have prepared for you. This is a prophetic word tonight. And it's not a message that I just travel around preaching. I've preached this message in three places. I'm preaching it in a safe place here tonight that God has entrusted uh, that he can send uh, broken vessels to.
There is coming a day when this house will be full of old, lost, and forgotten vessels. Vessels that need to be restored. Vessels that need to be mended. Vessels that need to be forgiven. Vessels that are ready to be used again. Vessels that will be vessels uh, unto honor again. See, God is looking for a church uh, that is strong enough uh, to adopt uh, lost causes. Uh, We don't have to fix them. Uh, We just got to be mature enough uh, to love them through the process uh, of restoration. Before the vessels were ordered to be returned, uh, there had to be a church uh, to hold them. Uh, The anchor uh, is one of those churches. Uh, I believe that every church uh, that is connected to this church uh, and this ministry uh, is a safe place uh, of restoration uh, where lost vessels uh, can come uh, and be placed uh, for healing, uh, for restoration, uh, for reconciliation. In the name of Jesus. You've only started to plant churches. Pastor Bounds, I believe there are 10 churches that are ready to be planted next year. The Lord spoke that to me in my truck today as I was driving into Sainsville. He said, there's 10 churches that are ready to be planted. Come on, anchor. He's trusted you. He's enriched you. He's enlarged you. He's expanded your territory. Why? Because he's got vessels that are ready to come home. Come on, if you receive that all over this house, would you just stand to your feet for a moment and just begin to magnify the Lord? You thought the lost one 
was gone forever. But the one shall be returned. And connected to the one are hundreds, yea, even thousands. Don't give up hope on the one. For the one is soon to be returned. I want you to just entertain the Holy Ghost for a moment. We're going to move on in a minute, but I just want you to entertain the Spirit of the Lord in this room. God's speaking to some people right now. You're feeling a hope reignited in your spirit that you haven't felt in a long time. There are loved ones that you stopped calling their name because you believe their situation could never change. I'm telling you right now, their situation is going to change. Matthew 5 and 14 says, Ye are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. You may be seated. When the prodigal came to the father's house, he knew exactly where to find it. Dad hadn't moved. He was in the same place that he left him. He knew exactly where to go. And when he got there, the same people that lived there when he left were there when he returned. The furniture was there. Everything looked the same. Everything felt the same. It was the Father's house. 
was talking to a man one time. He told me a story. He said he had a friend that had backslidden 20-some years ago. He said when that friend came to himself and decided he was going to come back home, he came to the church where he grew up. And when he walked in, he didn't recognize the man behind the pulpit. He said, well, that's all right. They must have got a new pastor. So he sat down, and there was something different about the preaching. There was something different about the worship. And it didn't take long for him to realize this isn't the same church that I left. This isn't the same spirit that I left. I left church when I was 18 years old. I was gone for seven years. I was lost in sin. One of the last families I had hung out with before I left, and it, was, it wasn't even my home church, but I just happened to be in Columbus, Ohio, and I'd spent some time at the Starks' house. When I came to myself in the pig pen, I thought, I'm going to go to the last place I was. And I came back to Calvary, Columbus, in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> it was the same man behind the pulpit. It was the same spirit in that sanctuary. It was the same worship that I knew that I had left. They were preaching the same message. They were serving the same God. When I came back to the Father's house, the Father's house was exactly where I left it. It was the same people preaching the same thing, keeping those lies. You know why they were there? You know why they showed up Sunday after Sunday? Because they knew one day there'd be a prodigal that came through the back door that was counting on them preaching the same Jesus as when they left. Oh, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be prodigals that come to your door looking, are they still preaching the same Jesus? Are they still preaching the same Holy Ghost? Is it the same worship? I remember. Oh, does it still feel the same when I come to that altar? Does the blood still flow in my father's house. Uh, the light of the lost spots is the church. When prodigals start coming to themselves, where will the church be? The best thing that you can do for a prodigal is be a faithful keeper of the temple. See, God's not going to send lost pots uh, to a field of broken pottery. Uh, he's going to send them to a church uh, who's been preparing uh, for their arrival. See, Paul said, 
forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You know what the, the word forsake means, Brother Cody? It means abandon. He said, don't be guilty of abandoning uh, your brothers uh, and sisters. Oh, you didn't hear me. You know what he was saying? He was saying it's time to grow up and be a mature church. You may not need the word that was preached that Sunday, but you got a brother or sister in your row that's counting on you to be there because maybe they need the word. That's why we never miss a church service. That's why we never miss a prayer meeting because we don't want to be guilty of abandonment in our family. We want to be there for our brothers. We want to be there for our sisters. We want to be there for our prodigals when they come home. You may be seated. There was a period in my life when I was a single dad. And during that time, I had to do a lot of things that typically mothers would do. I dropped off my girl Ashley at daycare at 6 a.m. I'd go and work 12 hours, and I'd pick her up. I'd usually get there about 6.30. She was always the last one there. First one there, last one there. Every day. Pick her up, take her home. I'd learn how to cook for two. The George Foreman grill had just come out, so I was I was very lucky. I used that George Foreman cookbook all the time. I'd cook dinner two nights a week. We'd eat pizza three nights a week. <laughs> then I had to wash her clothes. I learned how cotton shrinks. <laughs> and I hung up her clothes. This was going on for a long time. I was getting tired. One night I was having a pity party. Anybody ever had one of those? I was the guest of honor. I invited Jesus, but he didn't want nothing to do with it. I said, God... I need a woman. Yeah, you snicker, and some of you men been praying that. He said, God, I need a wife. Man. I said, God, this is what I said. I said, God, it just feels so monotonous. Lord rebuked me. He said, what you call monotonous, I call faithfulness. When church becomes monotonous, it's not monotonous. It's faithfulness. Shut up. 
you're going through a dry spell, you just keep showing up. There's a brother or sister depending on your attendance. There's a sinner in the altar depending on your attendance. It's not monotonous. It's faithfulness. You keep showing up. One day that river's going to flow again. God is calling back some vessels. Vessels that feel they've been forgotten about. Vessels that have become dry and cracked because it's been so long since they were filled. There are some vessels that need to be restored even here tonight. Vessels that need to be repaired here tonight. There are vessels that need to be rescued here tonight. You look the part, but you need rescued. Vessels that need to forgive other vessels and vessels that need to be forgiven. There's a reason there's no gate in front of this altar. It's because it's not supposed to be hard to get here. Don't make people climb over judgment to reach an altar of repentance. Be the one that paves the way for them with love. (laughs) Be the one that creates a place for them to belong. When they return, there's lost pots coming home looking for a place in the temple where they can belong. Be a placemaker in the church. Be a placemaker in the church. Notice in the story, you may be seated. It's our job to make the house right for their return. But it's only the call of the king that brings them back. It's time to build some shelves, some showcases. Because there's about to be a testimony after testimony of lost pots that we thought were lost forever. That are coming home. I'm going to tell you a story in closing tonight if the musicians want to come. I'm going to tell you how this message came to be. This message was written out of pain. It was written out of much grief and sorrow. Our family went through something this year. This is my first time ever sharing it. I called somebody tonight and asked them before I came if I could share this story. Before I share it, I'm just going to read two verses to you very quickly that will be incorporated into this. Malachi 3.11 says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. It says more than that, but that's the part I want you to remember. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. It's the fourth Thursday of May of this year. I got a phone call from my oldest daughter. Many of you know her. 
she called me and she said, Dad, I'm not coming home from school today. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I've called somebody and I decided I'm moving out. I said, I said, I don't understand. Like we could talk about this, what's going on. She said, Dad, I don't want to be apostolic anymore. She hung up. I didn't hear from her for a little while. called everybody I could think of to begin praying, everyone that I trusted to keep the information private and pray. And so we started to pray. Before we hung up the phone that day, I told her this. I said, when you're gone, there are going to be days that you wish you could come home. I said, and the enemy's going to tell you that you can't come home. So there are going to be times that you drive by the house and wish you could come home. But you're going to feel guilty like you can't come home. I said, I'm going to turn the light on in your bedroom window. I said, and I'm never going to turn it off until you come home. I said, every time you drive by our house, I said, no matter what time of day it is, I said, you're going to see that light on. I said, as long as you see that light burning, you know that you can come home. No questions asked, no parameters given. You just come home. Time began to slip by. Her appearance changed. Her words changed. Her demeanor changed. And I felt her slipping through my fingers. We were about 30 days in, and I went to the church to pray. I went up in our youth mezzanine, and I began to cry out to the Lord. I said, God, she's not going to be another statistic. I said, she's not going to be one of the lost ones that disappears forever. I said, God, your word makes me a promise. I said, Lord, your word says that you would rebuke the devourer for my sake. I said, God, I know that in that scripture, in that passage, it's a financial passage. You're talking to them about their tithes and their offerings. I said, God, when I came back 
to you. I said, you fulfilled your promise. You restored the years that the canker worm had eaten. I said, but God, I pay my tithes. I said, I've been as faithful to you as I know how to be. I said, and the devourer steals a lot more than money. I said, that devourer is a devourer of time. It's a devourer of purity. It's a devourer of innocence. And your word says that you would rebuke the devourer. And I began to take authority over the canker worm, over the palmer worm, over the devourer of time. I talked to her a few times on the phone. And I said, hey, you know, nobody at church knew what was going on. And I said, we've done everything we can to protect you, to help you, so that coming back would be easy. I said, but you're getting ready to cross some thresholds that we won't be able to cover. You're going to face some consequences. We won't be able to intervene. I said, would you please come to camp this year? She said, no. No, she said, I'll think about it. And then she texted me. And she said, I'm not coming. And when I got that text, I said, God, you said you would rebuke the devourer. Two hours later, I don't know what transpired in two hours, but two hours later, she texted me back. said, Dad, I decided I'm going to go to church camp. She came out to the campgrounds on a Friday night, and Sister Stark was out there. She went and found her. She went up to her and she said, I found out something. So there's not nearly as much pleasure in sin as I thought there was. She said, I didn't find anything but pain. She said, I'm sorry. I just, I just want to come back. I just want to come back. She went to church camp. God got a hold of her on the first night. She began to seek him in repentance. She had an incredible week. Friday night, she got in my truck and rode home with me. And we pulled up to the house, and that light was on. And I told her, I said, Ashley, I said, it's been 45 days that that light's been on. I said, and you're going to turn it out tonight for the first time in 45 days because you're home to stay. I want you to stand to your feet with me tonight.
I want you to begin to make your way to this altar because we're going to pray together as a family. I have direction for this altar call, so please just come. Don't begin to pray yet. Just come. Just come. not where you should be with God tonight you can have restoration before you leave this building all across this room there's a representation of lost loved ones lost friends lost family members people that we wish were here tonight with us If you got a lost loved one, lost friend, family, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are. I want you to keep them up for just a moment. I want you to look around right now. Look around you. We're going to go to prayer tonight. For the ones that these hands represent. This church is going to take authority over the devourer. We're going to take authority over the canker worm, over the palmer worm. And we're going to release a wave of restoration and reconciliation over every prodigal that these hands represent here tonight. I want you to take the hand of somebody near you right now. And we're going to begin to pray together. If you want to share that name with somebody near you, you feel free to do that. But we're going to bind together right now. And we're going to begin to call out these names before God. And I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost and in the name of Jesus, before the week's end, you're going to see some of these faces begin to show up. In the name of Jesus, we take authority and dominion over the canker worm, over the palmer worm, over the devourer of time, over the devourer of innocence, over the devourer of purity. We bind him and we cast him out from our loved ones. Lord, we commission an angelic army to be dispatched from this place here tonight to go to every name, every loved one.
represented in this room here tonight. The release a wave of restoration and reconciliation to sweep across our families, across our friends, across our loved ones in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.